Hello and welcome to Cruise Club. We've got the need, the need to podcast. This is episode 48, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, part one from 2023. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And before we dive into this this movie, Mike, I have to get something off my chest. I need to make an apology. I need to correct the record. Okay. Oh, I was not expecting this. When we did the initial run of Cruise Club and we were doing these movies, we're like, wow, these Mission Impossible movies are so good. And when we did Ghost Protocol, I'm like, this is incredible. Then we did Rogue Nation. I was just like, it's really good, but I think it's a step down. And then we did Fallout, and Fallout's my favorite Tom Cruise movie. I think it's one of the best action movies ever made. Leading up to Dead Reckoning Part 1, I rewatched Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, and Fallout. And I want to say right here, right now, I was out of my goddamn mind. Rogue Nation, <laughs> also perfect. All three of those movies, absolutely incredible. Just like, spoiler, this movie that we're talking about today, I think they've made four of the best action movies in a row. I don't know what about Rogue Nation I thought was less than. I think it might have been... In my opinion, I think also in your opinion, I don't want to put words in your mouth, that Ghost Protocol was such a leap over three that, like, Rogue Nation didn't seem like that much better. I don't know, but, like, watching it again, I'm just like, man, I was crazy for thinking that Rogue Nation was not incredible because it's incredible. So I want to apologize to you, to Mm -hmm. our listeners, to Tom Cruise, to the Tom Cruise production, to everyone. (laughs) Rogue Nation, like Fallout, like Ghost Protocol, like Dead Reckoning Part 1, absolutely incredible. Absolutely agree with you there. I mean, I'm not sure. I don't think I had any problems with it. Uh, Originally, I didn't have a chance to go back and watch the last few movies, but, uh, you know, I love this series. I love this franchise. And that that's when they introduced Ilsa, I believe. So, mm-hmm. like, I definitely loved that, that aspect of it. I mean, he was hanging off the plane in the beginning of that movie. Yeah, um, yeah I, but I definitely understand what you're where you're coming from by, like, the level of, like, sort of increasing. Like, it went so high up between three and four. Right. Even like one and two kind of maintained, but then three kind of wavered and then four Mm -hmm. was like up here and five was like production wise sort of the same, you know, so I could understand like sort of feeling that way because there's so much greatness at once. It's sort of hard at times to kind of comprehend, Uh, but I'm glad uh, in the rewatches that you came to your senses. (laughs) I will say I don't think Dead Reckoning is as good as Fallout. I think partly because it's half a movie, also partly because Fallout was just bananas um, yep. in the best possible way. But I do think this movie is on par with Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation. Do you agree? Do you not agree? This is your mission. Do you choose to accept it? <laughs> I mean, mission accepted. Absolutely. Like, I definitely agree. I mean, like, I have no issues with this movie whatsoever. Like, I love how we're sort of approaching another chapter of the Mission mm-hmm. Impossible story. Like the last one kind of closed the book a little bit. Like there was that one, the one main bad guy for the last few movies, it seemed, and mm-hmm. um, he's mm-hmm. out of the mm-hmm. picture. Yeah, like I really liked where they went with this. So we'll talk about it. But like I liked when uh, right out of the gate, when it was like, oh, they're doing kind of like an eagle eye thing and they're going to do it the Mission Impossible way. So it's probably going to be the best version of like this <laughs> kind of story possible, like a mm-hmm. AI gone rogue kind of situation. Um, I love like how they're now kind of also continuing. You know, it's, it's become almost like a show in a way, but it's like the most big budget 
long to make show in the history of television that we watch at the movies first. Like that's how yeah. it's starting to feel. Yeah. Like the, I couldn't believe the level of like just quality that they were able to maintain, not just through the series, but through this this particular movie. And to find out that it's like a part one of two like i'm just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. super psyched about that so everything everything about this uh really pleased me i i really and and especially like there's one thing we'll get into a little later with the main villain i thought that was going to irk me but like because of how he's played and how he's portrayed like felt like he was there the whole times in the shadow you know like didn't mm. feel didn't feel as much of a retcon as i was expecting throughout the rest of the movie so like even that i felt they they wrote really well so very fun for me I think a way to watch these movies is that Rogue Nation and Fallout are part one and part two of like the Solomon Lane story where it's like at the end of Ghost Protocol, Ethan finds out about the syndicate and then like the syndicate is the next two movies and it's led by Solomon Lane and all this, right? right? And so like that story ends and like going into this movie, there's continuation, but like we're basically at a new chapter, right? And so I think even though this is explicitly part one, this is not like the complete story, whereas like Rogue Nation is more of like a complete story, whatever, falls a more complete story. I think knowing it's part one is good. I also want to say, in comparison to Spider-Verse part one, uh-huh. Fast 10, which is also a part one, yeah. I think this is such a more complete, pleasing story. Mm. Like, no no secret here on the Podcast Network that you and I both love Fast and Furious movies, that I have Too Fast, Too Forever. You are our first guest, and every time a new movie comes out, we both love those movies. I was emotionally unsatisfied by the end of Fast 10. Here, I'm like, this is a full story. Like, there's more to be had, but I felt yeah. like it wasn't like Spider-Verse where, like, it ends sort of slight spoiler with, like, them, like, about to jump into a portal or, like, Fast 10 where it's, like, Dom's in peril mm-hmm. about to explode or whatever. <laughs> this is just, like, we're at we're at a logical stopping point, and this is the end of the story for yeah. now. Yeah, dude. Uh, so, like, I was – at first, I was like, man, it's the summer of cliffhangers. Like, when did this start? Like, we're all these, like, two-parters coming out. And, like, so Fast 10 was this huge cliffhanger. Like, mm-hmm. Dom's about to die. Uh, Spider-Verse spoilers, huge cliffhanger. Like, Miles is in the wrong universe, you know? Yep. Um, we're coming to get you. And this – not a cliffhanger, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I was kind of like, at first I was like, oh, but then I was like, no. Like, something else inside me is, like, very more pleased because, like, yeah. I, don't, I don't feel like I need to wait, you know, for the rest of the story, even though there's more story. It feels more like a long-ass commercial break is about to be had. Yeah. Right? Like, like it's more of like a Kill Bill or a Godfather situation. And, and I think I can see in the end where it's, like, one complete movie that, that like, you just kind of get up for a commercial break or something as opposed to, like... Uh, like a like a Saturday morning serial where sure. it's like you know Fast Fast and Furious turned out to be which is which is good in its own right but I think this plays much better for Mission Impossible I'm just I feel like I'm so glad it didn't end with Ethan like hanging like literally right. hanging off yeah of the yeah, yeah yeah I also in comparison to Fast Ten was amazed by how much like crossover there was between this movie and that movie like both go to Rome both have big action set pieces in Rome mm-hmm. both I think have a game recognized game line I think um, mm. Shea Wiggum in both franchises now and there was another major thing there, there's was, the uh, the bombs on the bridge at the end bomb, yes that was it yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, obviously, once again, I will reiterate, I love the Fast and Furious movies. I am so very glad that Fast 10 came out before this, because if I had seen this movie before Fast 10, I would have been like, oh, no, Mission Impossible did it better. (laughs) But, like, we could say, like, Fast 10 did it, and they did it well, and then Mission Impossible did it better. I will also say, in comparison to the Fast and the Furious, this is one franchise that isn't afraid to bring Vanessa Kirby back and take 
goddamn notes, Fast and Furious, because Vanessa Kirby here, as Alana Metsopoulos, the White Widow, rules. She's great in everything. We get double her in this movie with the mask. Yeah. I (laughs) want more than anything else to bring Hattie Shaw back. They refuse to bring Hattie Shaw back. To have the White Widow back here, I love it. Yeah, to, to really expand her role and make her feel like part of the franchise now moving forward. And her doing her like Hallie Atwell impression was great. You know, like that to me always felt like the hardest thing to do in these Mission Impossible movies where it's like you have to have one actor act like another actor because they're wearing their face. You know, and I, I feel like Philip Seymour Hoffman did it great in part three. But since then, there hasn't really been a showcase so much performance. It's usually been Tom Cruise, but Vanessa Kirby as Hallie Atwell doing like you know, when she's on the train at the end trying to, like, save herself as someone. Like, it's all mm-hmm. really well done. Yeah. Well, because, like, what's what's insane to think about is that, like, the movie reality is the direct inverse of the real reality, right? Like, in the movie universe, we have Grace being the White Widow, right? Like, she is in the mask that it's the character trying to pretend that she is the White Widow. But in reality, it's Vanessa Kirby trying to pretend she's Haley Atwell, kind of, but also pretending she's the white, like, it's it's such a yeah. weird, like, it's such an inverse, and, like, I'm, I'm sure we've probably talked about it before, I know we're definitively not the first people to talk about that, but, like, just wrap your mind around the whole, like, what you're seeing versus what you're getting, as opposed to, like, what they're actually trying to do is just, like, it's crazy, man. It's it's funny, it kind of, for me, touches on what I wanted to say before, where you were, like, talking about how, you know, Fast and Furious did it, but, like, this did it, that did it first, this did it better kind of stuff or whatever. Like, I felt that from the very beginning because, like, I didn't know what the plot was here. I, you know, I watched one trailer and it doesn't give any story away. Um, and to find out it's going to be like this artificial intelligence thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, let's see what Mission Impossible can do with this. Like, this is by no means new territory, right? Like, it just, it depends on how it fits into your world. Like, and I feel like Mission Impossible is one of the most perfect kind of playgrounds to do mm-hmm. a story about like a artificial intelligence trying to take over the planet like it's the only step up that you can go for ethan to like try like he's he's better than all the humans like he's got to take on ai but like so that so i like eased into that very early on they're like oh this isn't like a fresh concept but like i dig that they're gonna tackle this i was fine to see callbacks retreads whatever you want to do in this movie like I was ready for them to like reference other movies, like all that stuff, because I just had so much faith in the, in the, in these guys to be like, they're just going to do whatever, but do it better. Like a train fight, you know, they did a train fight in the first movie and they, they had to top themselves with this. So like all that kind of stuff, like was really cool. You know, I saw this with my uh, How to Win the Lottery co-host, Bob, and we left and like, he really loved most of it, but he's like, a lot of this is kind of like, I think he said like, you know, the tropes are kind of cliche and like even the set pieces are kind of reused. And I'm like, yeah, like you're not wrong, but it also doesn't matter because they're doing all of it better than like any other movie franchise out there. Like not, you know, like the the train, like at the end here, jump is again, spoilers for all of this, but at the end when they're like running between multiple train cars, which is incredible unbelievable but like that's uncharted too like that's like that was you know a video game from like 15 years you know what i mean like that's not brand new yeah that's been happening a lot but just the way that they do it and like the combination of like practical effects and actual stunts and then just like ramping up the game and using cgi and like it just it's so perfectly executed that i don't mind that i've seen other things before because i haven't seen tom cruise actually do it before 
Exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, we've all seen Super Cops, and we know we're, like, fights on top of trains can be awesome and amazing and stuff, but, like, I want to see these guys pull that off, you know? And it's like that with everything they're doing. Like, I I could just watch this team, like, remake other movies, right? Because I just know that they're going to, like, blow the originals out of the water. Like, that's sort of the vibe I'm starting to get in a little bit of a way out of, like, some of the action stuff. It's like, well, how? what else can you – it's almost like – there's only so many notes on a piano. There's only so many actions. Mm-hmm, like, there's mm-hmm. got to be a chase scene. There's got to be something in the air. There's got to be something in the water. There's got to be, you know, and they go through the checklist like every movie and they continually not only like top themselves, but like top whatever else is happening that summer. So, you know, again, no complaints here. Like I thought the fucking the tiny car ride was yeah. hilarious. The yep. the uh, the fight in the smallest alleyway in the world was yes. amazing like yes. all these little twists on on those kinds of things is like what really is like helping it work more like even in that alley scene i'm like oh okay so like old boy hallway fight like while i'm watching it was like i've seen this before but I'm, i haven't seen it this small and i haven't seen tom cruise against like like just the fact that like it's one-on-one twice like there's like there's subtle enough tweaks mm-hmm. to it where i'm just like this is new this is different this is fresh I just, man, everything about this, it just works for me so well. Like, I just, I, I will say that I think one thing I was sort of surprised by, and it wasn't bad, and I think it's part of the fact that it's a two-parter, is that, like, it doesn't start with, like, an action scene. Like, other movies, you know, like you talked about, like, Rogue Nation has him hanging off the, yeah. the plane as it starts it, right? Like, there's other movies that, like, you start, like, in media res, that cold open, whatever, like, a, a very Bond thing to do. Here you don't do that. Like, it's kind of a very slow ramp up and, like, they're kind of taking their time to explain. But I'm thinking about, like, they're setting the stage for, like, a five and a half or six hour movie, probably. Like, a story where they're like, mm-hmm. we need you to understand what this AI is. And, like, the, it is the submarine, but, like, so there's, like, there is, like, the tension there. But it's nobody we know. There's, it's not very Mission Impossible. It's almost like a clear and present danger, like, a, you know, any yeah. of the submarine <laughs> movies where it's like, yeah, like, I understand, like, this is, like, a tense scene, but it's not tom cruise like doing an insane thing it's just like setting the stakes and then we go to like you know the military people which is like filled with like comedians like rob delaney and Indira varma and like mark gaddis like all these people in there where they're playing everything so straight and they're all like incredibly funny actors and it's like this is wild and like you still don't have tom cruise and like I don't mind it, but I'm just like, okay, so, like, what exactly are we doing here? And I think it's just, like, they're taking the time to be like, this shit is scary. And we need you to know that this is, like, the most, like, yeah, he's recovered nukes in the past, but, like, this is worse than nukes. Because this controls all the nukes, right? So, like, right. I was surprised by that, but I was just like, I, I see what you're doing. And I, I, res- I, I think I trusted the franchise enough to be like, all right, let's see where you go. And they landed it. It's it's interesting that you mentioned this because like I kind of couldn't put my finger on why something not felt off but just like different and again like fresh maybe for the franchise too is that uh, this this whole thing felt more Bond esque to me is like uh, you know there there'd be like an incident in the sea or like something happened in space or like somewhere in the desert and it's like completely seems like it's a hundred percent unrelated to everything that's about to happen but it like sets up the MacGuffin like shows just shows us the stakes tells us like who's in charge and who needs to be contacted and 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 eventually and instead of being like get bond this one it's like you know we need ethan hunt and that kind of thing so it's kind of nice and we're also dealing here in a bit of a way with like a story reset in a little bit of a sense Mm -hmm. you know like we're introducing a new slash old threat and also like a future threat in a lot of ways so there's a lot of groundwork and 
and the idea of it being like a two-parter um yeah it goes goes along with that too is like they're able to stretch out the action sequences stretch out the exposition scenes and thankfully like all the actors are bringing their a game and all the new actors have great chemistry with each other and everybody like really pops on screen so so none of the sort of like you know tired and true were like he's going rogue he always goes rogue like it's all fun again and then the other stuff where tom cruise is like i'm gonna kill you when i get my gun it's like it's all fun because he's saying it to someone different and that guy's smirking at him and so so yeah again like it's just been a lot of fun what i think is really you know first of all I didn't rewatch the first one because I'm like, there's nothing I need to remember from the first one. But then I'm like, oh, I remember Kittredge. I don't really remember Kittredge's story because I've only seen the first movie twice and we ha- I haven't seen it since we covered it on this podcast. But I'm like, I'm like, if I rewatch four, five, six, not only am I going to really love the movies, but I'm going to like, I'm going to know, I'm going to remember everything I need to know for the new movie. And I'm like, wait a minute, I don't have all the pieces here. But I, d- I, d- I didn't mind that. I think it was great. Um, what I what I really appreciate about the franchise, and I think this is like such a needed antidote, and I think this is like it goes in line either directly with what you're saying or just you reminded me, is that in a world filled with superhero movies, which I don't mind that, but in a world filled where like every writer thinks he's Joss Whedon and every actor thinks he's Robert Downey Jr. and every blank space has to be filled with like a quip, this movie and these movies, this franchise has the confidence to just be like, no, we're not going to say something. And like, you know, sometimes yeah. Benji will have a joke here, you know, Luther will have a joke here or whatever. Even Tom Cruise will like, you know, be like, we're figuring out like there's there's jokes in these movies, but they don't have to fill every space and every fight scene. And it feels like there's like such a respect, like the the sword fight where Ilsa is killed, like the all you need is the incredible score and just the badass action. It's not just like, well, the daggers in the other hand are just like, you don't need that, right? Like you just yeah, have yeah. two really good physical performers fighting with a cool score and it works. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't there, – you don't get that like during the fight kind of taunting each other, any of that bullshit that you probably wouldn't get like when the when you're kind of more closer to reality. I'm not saying this is – reality okay i mean they're they're heroes without capes a lot of these guys Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. uh they're able to project way more with a look than with a word and they do it several times in this like tom cruise several times like has the perfect moment to like say a one-liner and instead he'll just be like well what like he'll just like kind of throw his arms up or like he'll like look at his watch or like he'll just do something and he'll just be off and on it he'll just start running like he'll just run away out of the frame uh so like yeah there's they're right like they just know at this point like it's almost like this well-oiled machine you know and i think like you know no joke knowing that tom cruise is doing most of this stuff like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. such a confidence to the rest of the casting crew to be like we fucking got this too you know like how can we not if he's doing that like how can i if i'm rob delaney or carrie ells how can i not like get out of bed early get to the prepared ready to do more than i'm asked for like and it just like jump you feel that on screen like you feel that with the chemistry of like the entire cast and i think like they do a really nice job of like bringing back like you know obviously benji and luther are great here we are i already talked about the white widow i love seeing her back but even the people who are brand new feel like they've always been a part of this world like i couldn't believe that Haley atwell had not always been in these movies because she like fits so perfectly because again all the casting is perfect i think all the performances are great 
every woman, I mean, every person in the cast is like the most beautiful person you've ever seen, right? Like, it just, I'm like, how are you not already in all these movies? Then you bring in like Palm Clementine, who like is kind of basically just playing like a mime, like a sort of stereotypical French mime, you know what I mean? But like, it doesn't killer, matter. Killer she's, mime. She's, she's nailing it. And like, yeah, I'm like, you're perfect too. Like, I love being able to see her without like the man, like I love Mantis and I love Guardians of the Galaxy for the most part. But like, just to see her not be Mantis, like to be an actual person, even though she's kind of like a caricature, like she is like a mime, like, it's just cool to see her do that. And like, everything they do, they're just nailing. And I know that I'm kind of, I'm, I'm all in on all these movies because we spend a lot of time on their podcast. Like we wish that Nicholas Cage wouldn't make like we love all his movies for the most part, but we don't want him to see eight movies a year. We want to see him make like one or two really good movies a year. And like it seems to be the thing like either scale back and be like supporting characters in like better movies or just like better cho- whatever. And I know that he wants to work, but on the flip side, knowing we get like one Tom Cruise movie a year, if that. But it's an event, and it's going to be perfect, and it's going to rule, and he's going to have total control, and, like, it's a thing to go see with a capital T, like, a, a thing to go see. It's just, like, I'll watch these. Like, I think he said he wants to make these at least 80. Like, just keep making Good. this movie. I, yeah. I don't care, man. I'm, these are all amazing. You know, it's funny, like, just quickly about that. It's, like, I used to kind of, not used to, I mean, it's kind of a new thing because coming out of, like, you know, the LD, the lockdown and everything. And it's like, you know, they're like, well, you got to see this in theaters. You know, we Mm -hmm. made this for theaters. And like, I kind of scoffed at some of that stuff because it's like, well, how do you know how I like to watch movies? Mm -hmm. Or like, Mm -hmm. I just want to see the movie sometimes or Mm -hmm. I can't afford to. But I'm sitting there in IMAX going like, no, like, I had to see this in IMAX. (laughs) Like, I had to be there today. Like, I had to really like have it like basically encompass me you know is what ended up happening where whereas to the point where i felt like i was sitting at a seat at the uh at the computer's party you know (laughs) like i thought i was there at one point i was like looking around wondering if they like fucked with the lights in the theater uh so yeah like the the complete immersion and that goes like from from tom cruise to shea wingham right like from every level of actor in here is like bringing their a game and we haven't mentioned the man in the hour i think who's really going to take it up a notch next time but isai morales like where has he been for the last 30 years of my life like loved him in la bamba (laughs) when i first saw him but kind of didn't know him from anything else see him pop up from stuff from time to time but here it's like no he's He's like, he reminds me of Clooney or some shit. Like, why isn't, you know, I hope he, from now on, is headlining a lot more stuff because the the guy is amazing. So is that what you were saying before that, like, the, the retconning, like, he was there from the very beginning, but just yeah. kind of in the background? Yeah, and kind of like you said how, like, these people feel so a part of this world. To me, when you say, like, oh, we're going to introduce Ethan's nemesis this late in the game we've never seen him before we've never heard of him before we don't know how ethan joined the the impossible mission force like any of this stuff but like we're gonna tackle it now and this is gonna be the guy like i just for some reason like i buy it i just i buy it because he's like he's charming he's suave and he feels super fucking dangerous um and he's in league with a robot so like I don't know. There's that too. <laughs> like part of me was just like, is he the robot? I'm like, no, that's crazy. But like, he, he might be like, it's just mm. like, cause it's also like, it, you know, in, in the world of this universe or whatever, like he could be substituted. Like it doesn't matter. Cause like the, the, the actual sentient AI, like it's just like, it just needs somebody who like will do whatever it says. Right. And like he, right. you know, when he says to Palm, like, Oh, 
well, Ethan saved your life, so you're going to betray us, so, like, I have to kill you now. Like, it's just, like, he's acting on behalf. Like, when he, like, opens, when they open, like, that coffin, and he's got, like, the VR, yeah. the AR goggles, where he's just, like, basically, like, letting the machine inhabit his brain or whatever's yeah. happening in there, just, like, oh, no, they just need, like, a pawn. And it doesn't matter who, who it is, but, like, to your point, he's a good-looking dude who fits the role and can do the physical stuff and, like, is intimidating and, like... That's all you need. And it doesn't, like, it could kind of be, like, it's almost like a Mr. Smith thing where he could, like, you know, jump into another another character's body or whatever. It doesn't matter. But, like, he nails the role. And I think he's going to be, I would I would assume, basically, everyone's going to be in the next movie, except for, of course, Ilsa, who, who dies. But the mm-hmm. one kind of bummer. So, I just, so I just, okay, side okay. note here, and sort of spoilers-ish for Scream 6. Also, oh, Scream it. 6. Like, Par- Paramount has two incredible franchises. I think Scream movies are all great. I think all these movies are great. Like, Paramount killing on the franchise front. The issue I have with Scream 6, again, sort of spoilers, jump ahead 30 seconds or a minute, is that basically no major characters die. Like, Scream 5 had such an impactful death when Dewey is killed. It's just like, yeah. oh, no, like, that's a loss. And then in 6, like, there's one where Gail could have died. And then the guy who, like, shows the the romantic interest in Jenna Ortega's character, like, in Tara, like, he got stabbed in the front and the back by two ghost faces. And <laughs> then died. And it's just like, they're all at the end here. And, like, it just, you had these moments where just, like, you take the breath out of the audience be like, oh, my God, like, this character I love died. And I don't want to see, back to this movie now, I don't want to see Palm's character Paris die, but she, like, kind of served her purpose in a way, right? Like, she, and then at the end, they're just like, oh, we have a pulse. And it's like, okay, so she's going to be back. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't mind that, but, like, and I also don't want, like, routine fridging. Like, I don't want, like, female characters to keep dying like, we already had Ilsa die. I don't need mm-hmm. Paris to die, too. Nah, I, but, like, yeah. it feels like you don't need to bring her back just because she's cool, even though I want her back and I cheered when, like, she showed up. You know what I mean? Like, it's the uh-huh. kind of thing where it's like, I'm trying not to have, like, every female character die or every female character be there just to prop Ethan up or, like, give him emotional stakes. Like, I yes. know that's literally the definition of fridging. But at the same time, she kind of had this perfect character arc. And, like, I kind of well, want to let her go. I, I hear what you're saying. I feel like she's alive for a couple reasons one we already we lose ilsa and we lose her well like she isn't fridged like she played a very important and valuable part of this entire thing you know like uh she had agency the entire time like she did things that she wanted to do and all that kind of stuff uh with paris i think what they're doing and now like this is a big this is a big thing that i think that they're trying to do here all right with her with Grace, okay, and believe it or not, with Jasper, Shay Wingham's character, they're going to join the fucking team. Like, Haley Atwell already did at the end of this movie. Spoiler, she's part of the force now, you know? Yeah. And, like, Shay Wingham's character, his his uh, partner was, like, trying to convince him that Ethan's right, like, halfway True. through the movie. He's going to eat it in the next one, you know? And Shay Wingham and... Tom Cruise are going to like jump out of a fucking building together, hand in hand with like parachutes. Not really, but symbolically, like they're going to go back to back and like get out of a room and like, you know, have respect. And, and he's going to be like, Tom Cruise will be like, look, go to this guy, say you accept, yada, yada, yada. Maybe we never see him again. But that, that was just where my frame of thought was, is like, we got, we got another three hours of this stuff to yeah. do something with. We're going to see some people switch sides here, you know, one well, way I or the other. I, as I was watching this, it's not as, like, 
corny, and I mean this in a good way, in an endearing way, or over the top as a Dom Toretto, but like he's bringing people into the family, right? Because I think that there is something. Yes. It's, it is the same thing. And this is another thing that I was thinking about while watching, not the new one, but also the new one, but like rewatching like when Ethan is paralyzed when he chooses Luther, he chooses Benji over like a nuclear bomb. Like he will make sure that his friend doesn't die. He, he'll like, he'll figure out how to stop the terrorist later because he knows that if he chooses whatever instead of Benji, Benji will die in this moment and he won't be able to ever fix that, right? So over time and again, and like even at the, at the start of Fallout, when Alec Baldwin's like, you know, there's this kind of like a little on the nose dialogue or whatever, where he's just like, you think that's a weakness. I think that's your greatest strength. Like, I think that the reason I'm here is because of you, because of that mentality specifically. And like, that's such a powerful thing. It's exactly the Dom Toretto thing. Just like, he will like, all of Fast 10 is Momoa being like, you can't, you can't save both. Pick one to save. I'm going to kill one of them. <laughs> right. And like, that's the same thing that happens here. Right. And like, it's the same kind of thing where like, it's such a human thing. And they're both like that. And it's so, so the same thing where like, the family keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I think you're right that like, whether they officially join the IMF or they're just, like, allies in the wind. Because, like, Ilsa, the Ilsa right. thing keeps happening the same thing where, like, she gets in trouble, he bails her out. He gets in trouble, she bails him out. And, like, that happens, like, six times maybe in three movies. <laughs> but, like, it's nice to have those allies out there so that when you save Paris's life, she can save your life and, like, help you out there or whatever, right? So, like, I think you're right. And it, it, it's just such a, dom, it's such a Dom Toretto thing to do. And I don't mind it. I love it. Here, here. I love it as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. I mean, you know, those are that's all just speculation on my part, but like hopefully uh, what does end up happening you know, kicks up as, as, half as much ass as this. I just found out, I did not realize, but you mentioned uh, Shea Wiggum's character's partner in this movie, who was Degas, who was played by Greg Tarzan Davis. I did not realize, because there's so many things going on in both these movies, he was also in Top Gun Maverick. He played Lieutenant oh. Javi Coyote Machado. So he's been in the last two Tom Cruise movies. He's only The only other movie he's been in is The Call of the Wild and Tales from the Hood 2. So, huh. like, Call of the Wild is, you know, the Harrison Ford movie that was, like, really yeah. big. But dog. to be in, like, the movie, like, the summer movie two years in a row with Tom Cruise both years, like, that guy is, like, off to a great start. You know what I mean? So, oh, shout yeah. out to Greg, and also Greg Tarzan Davis. Great name. Awesome name. I'm kind of jealous. My middle name's not Tarzan. Well, so, I want to talk about the action, but I think the one, like, the best way to describe what works so well about this movie is there are so many moving parts, and they know... It's both like the visual storytelling and also the writing where like, you know that whenever Tom Cruise like runs away from one person and you're like, okay, finally he's safe. Like Shea Wiggum will pop up or there's always like someone chasing him. And like, it's him against like four different groups who are not aligned, but they're aligned insofar as they want to take him down. And then happened over and over again. It didn't feel like stale and it just worked so goddamn well. Yeah. Okay. So I, I was sitting there loving that about it because, I, you know, okay, so last night I was watching The Nice Guys, and you know I love that movie. And, you know, um, every it's like every scene of that movie takes a left turn at the end of it, you know, or like mm-hmm. a new bit of information is revealed. The movie kind of changes on a, on a scene-by-scene basis, you know, uh, and that's one of the things I love about it. It's like, oh, new information in this scene. We go this way. New information in this scene. The movie turns this direction. I felt that happening with this movie where it's like, every scene had a purpose like every sequence was was trying to get some it wasn't just like not that they would be filler but like the action sequences 
um, you know, do what they should do and rarely do, which is like develop character. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, it's like, it might as well be dialogue, but let's just play it out in a car chase. I like that. You learn so much about grace and how he, she treats Ethan during their escapes. You yeah. know, <laughs> it's so fucking hilarious when she's just like, they're like, okay, stop hands up. And then she'll like throw Ethan into the cops and like run away or something. Yeah. And it just says, or like when they're handcuffed together and she like, handcuffs him to the steering wheel and leaves him in the fucking uh, train tunnel and runs away. Like it just says so much about these people like uh, throughout their actions. And so uh, it's so much fun to be able to uh, experience a mo another movie like that, like two days in a row, but a very different type of movie doing, doing it a very different way. Um, but both within their genre, just fucking nailing it. Like with the, with the writing and this is a spy movie with all the, like the fucking intrigue. Like I feel mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm, I feel mm -hmm. like so invested with it, even though it's like, the big picture of it is like sort of, you know, how is it any different than Bond at this point? It's really not. We're, we're clearly now into full on sci-fi, which I'm 100% fine with because it definitely fits. Um, within but I don't the realm, think it's sci-fi. Like, I think that's the scary thing is that this is becoming. Well, no, it's not. It's very topical now. Reality, <laughs> right? Topical. It's the same yes. thing where it's just like God's eye was like, whoa, that's kind of weird. Like the Dark Knight thing, right? Where it's like he's got the thing where where Batman can tab into any phone. It's just like, this is scary. But it's like, that's just normal. Like every government uses that now against us, right? Like it's just like they can find you wherever you are. And then God's eye is like, you can find anybody on Earth. It's just like, yeah, that seems crazy. It's like, oh, no, they can do that too. Yeah. And so like here where it's AI is going to you know be able to like it's going to be like self-replicate and like smarter than humans and be able to like to move around undetected just like wow that seems crazy but like not, not really like that's like what people are worried about like yeah, that's why people yeah. are so like it's sci-fi for now but like you watch this again in five years like it's not sci-fi you know what i mean like it's it's crazy yeah it's cool because like the franchise caught up in a way or like the world and the franchise are now like meeting in a place where it's like it used to be science fiction but now we, we're science fact and it's like all these gadgets like i don't even i we could probably make the mask machine if we had to uh you know this day and age and do all that kind of stuff but yeah so what are the big action sequences here that we should talk about? There's the whole there's the scene in the airport where they're diffusing the nuclear <laughs> bomb that isn't actually a nuke. So there's that yeah. one. There's the train scene at the end, including Ethan. Like that's probably so like I thought, mm -hmm. did you see Dial of Destiny at the new Indiana Jones or not yet? Unfortunately not. No, I'm trying. I'm trying to get that there. That movie basically opens with like a twenty five or thirty minute train scene and it's so did, really so did good. part three. Part three was on the circus train. What the hell? <laughs> and I think this is maybe even longer because this is like maybe yes. 40 minutes, 45 is, minutes, yeah. maybe close. To, like, it's so good. And like getting onto the train, like watching Isai Morales, like sabotage the train, doing the mask face swaps. Like there's so many different elements here, so many different groups at play. And it never like, so there's that whole thing. So there's the airport scene. There's the train sequence. There's the Rome car chase. Are there other things I'm missing? Because this is the one of those, like, I didn't take any notes. I was just, like, letting it all wash over yeah, in your yeah. words, like, soak in. You just saw today, are there other major, major set pieces? I won't talk about each of these, but, like, are there other major things? There, Yeah, the, the club, the club scene. Oh, yeah, the club, the club Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which also felt kind of very John Wick of it. Yeah, definitely. I see that. But are there others, or maybe there's not? I mean, that's that's still four, like, really big set pieces that are, like, lengthy and meaty. And and they're like extended and and sort of like they're they're these little kind of like um like codas to some of them you know because we get like the the bridge scene where uh, where Gabriel fights Grace and Elsa but that's mm -hmm. after the club you know so like he Ethan right. gets misdirected by the artificial intelligence and and trapped in like the city back roads and all that kind of shit um, 
so like that kind of it, it's kind of like an extended part of the sequ- same sequence but like that's the thing about this movie is that like I, I was also sitting there going like well there's not really that much going on you know like i understand why it's two parts because all in all there aren't all that many like scenes or or sequences but like they're so long and they're so like you know juicy and like fruitful with like information or awesome action or like cool cool things going on and stuff like that and so like not that it felt incomplete it didn't or anything but i was definitely feeling like oh like uh this 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 feels sort of like a short movie even though it's long if you take my meaning right like um, like a lesser production with less money would probably have made this movie be like an hour and a half. Yeah, uh, you, you know what I'm saying? Like just just something like that. I mean, I think there's a confidence to like letting your scenes kind of simmer. Like that scene where yes. they're explaining what the AI is with all the NSA guys, and then Tom Cruise comes in with the mask. That's probably close to like a 10 minute long scene. And I think in right, other movies right. it might be like a two minute scene, or just but they're like they're really like letting things pause and breathe and explain. And then like there's the whole reversal and like the phone call and like whatever. And I think it's the kind of thing where it's like you're right. Like there's not a lot of like the list of things that happens in this is not very long, but I think because it's essentially not half a movie, but half a story, right? And so I think they're allowed to, like, but that's also, like, like, how many times have we talked about on all the podcasts we've done where just, like, either make this movie shorter or make it, like, way, way longer? You know what I mean? Like, where it's, like, let things sort of, like, flesh, like, like go deeper in certain things, and I think that, like, there's nothing here where I really wanted more, because I'm, like, everything had, like, nothing overstayed as welcome. Oh, there's also the desert scene in the beginning where he meets up with Ilsa, right? So there's, like, that action scene, too. Like, there's just, there's so much going on that they don't, like, feel rushed, but they also don't feel like they overstay their welcome. Like, somehow, I think they nailed Mm -hmm. the particular middle ground of the timing. Yeah, you know what I kind of got the sense of, and I don't, this might sound like weird or bad or whatever but it's not i don't mean this in like a bad way i don't mean this to a detriment to the movie but it's almost like i was watching several episodes of a show while watching this movie like sure like there was the airport episode right because that Mm -hmm. sequence was like a half a fucking hour Mm -hmm. you know and like so much happens there's like the rome episode because so much happens there you know uh there's like the club episode or whatever and it's like when the tide turns and stuff and then there's like the fucking train episode or the two-parter so I really like that. I think that's a mark of good pacing and good writing. And like you say, like people who know, like clearly know what they're trying to do and say, and like how much attention they're trying to pay to certain story beats and and certain action beats and whether or not they can cross over or not. And having the, the kind of wherewithal to know, like, okay, like clearly we're going to indulge ourselves, but like, right. They don't go, like you say, like, I never felt like any of this was going too far or too long in ways that I feel other action movies that play shorter feel longer. Like, they just feel it's like, oh, that action wasn't so great. Like, they should have done half of that or whatever. But then I'm watching this. I'm like, this is like, this is a great amount, especially with this team. And like, I think, you know, not to compare it once again, the Fast and Furious, but like, it's always on the brain. I also just recorded it too fast. So I also rewatched Fast and Furious number four today to get ready for that. But I think... Where the Fast and Furious movies, like, there's so many moving parts, but there's, like, too many moving parts. Like, in Fast 10, there's, like, okay, we're telling four different stories. But here, it's always, like, we're just following Ethan, mostly, right? Like, we're following one guy and his team. We're not following four smaller subsections of the team. And I think that even though there's a lot going on and there's a lot of characters in here, there's, like, a lot of people that you recognize you want to follow, they're all serving the greater goal. And it just seems to work so much better because it's not, like – 
like when there's like the train sequence, it's not like there's a train sequence and the airport sequence and the Rome sequence, whatever, all happening at the same time because they all need characters to do things. It's like, no, we're all doing the train stuff. We're just at different stages of the train. Like Tom Cruise is on the bike mm-hmm. riding to the train. Benji's in his car following the train. You know, uh, Grace is on the car or, you know, doing – she's got the mask. She's like – like everybody's doing their thing, but it's all part of the bigger set piece. And I think for a movie that is as expansive and like wants to tell such a globe-trotting story, it just does it with such a more confident, like concise version than not just Fast and Furious, but like basically any other action movie. Yeah, I think you're right. When you say it's like concise, that's how I feel too, like especially when you mention – uh, you know, we're, this is all like from Ethan's perspective. So like we're following Ethan, even when we're not like it's still I imagine he's got ears or eyes on the scene and the situation. So like it's filtered through his brain. Um, and like what I love about that is we get these awesome moments where people pop up to save him, you know, like like he'll be like, what's going on? What's going on? And then suddenly like Benji will pull up with a truck and be like, get in. And it's like, I don't need to know how Benji got there. Right. You know, like that's not, that would be like Fast and the Furious. You know, they'd be like, they'd spend 25, 30 minutes on Benji and Ving Rames, like trying to, you know, get service at a fast food restaurant on their way to like mm-hmm, buy more mm-hmm, computers mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. something. So, uh, and nothing wrong with that. But like, again, it just for the tempo and the tone and the, and everything, like the tenor of this franchise and where they are at the point in this movie, like I'm, I like being surprised when people pop up and I don't need to know where they came from. You know, it's just like, Oh, fucking cool. Like she survived long enough to save them. Or like, you know, he, he made it. I don't know. Last time I saw him, I thought he was going to be arrested, but here he is saving the guy and like, cool. Like he made it in time. And and like, it just, it's, it just adds to the excitement. And there are even times where they like flash back to like clarify something or like show that something is not exactly what you thought it was. Like it doesn't wait like hours and hours. Like when, when there's the desert scene and like, and Ilsa is quote unquote killed, right? We flash away. Then like 20 minutes later, we like go back to that scene and we see that she's actually fine. They like escape. You know what I mean? It's the kind of thing where just like, we're not going to yeah. like save her for the end of the movie. We're like you thought she was dead. Guess what? She wasn't dead after all. Or, like, no, yeah. Ilsa's fine. We're, we're going to make sure that she's in here. But like the fact that she, like they just know they have their cards and they're like, when can we play these where it's going to be believable and plausible and not make you groan or not make you be like, how did that like just, cause like, you know, in the back of your head that like, palm even with or paris even with like the knife in her gut still isn't like dead and so you know that she might be there and if she doesn't show up like you don't like hold it against the movie but you know that like that's a possibility so when she does show up you're like oh right like that's awesome or like you know you got a shea wiggum save her like any anybody could have saved tom cruise there at the end like not everybody but like a handful of different characters and the fact that like they played the right card in the right time and had to pay off and that's why i like i don't want to see her die but it's just like it was such a beautiful thing and like to like sort of yeah. over not overstay your welcome but like not let it go out on such a high note it's just you know yeah. a little bit of a, a, a pullback there but you know whatever I, I i like it too though because within the context of this being a kind of standalone movie like that's great foreshadowing for her character right mm-hmm. like you think she's dead and like i really bought it because i know her history in the in the movies and all that stuff and then for her to not be dead, uh, the reveal in the beginning is like, oh, well, like, yeah, like, okay, so she's untouchable, she's indestructible. Like, it put my mind at ease to be like, well, she's probably not yep. going to be the one that that dies. But then when she does, it's like the movie saying, like, no, like, dude, like, we we like, <laughs> you know, she got too lucky too many times is what like that was uh, earlier in the film and stuff. And like again, Ethan told her to stay out, and it she decided to like it just all works so well. It 
within the con within like her character that's all yeah. like you know i felt like that's what she would have done uh she couldn't have stopped herself from helping what else is there to say about this movie what else do you want to talk about oh, any other boy. scenes that we have not really dived into the i mean we could talk about the airport scene where we meet well, grace but like it's all like i think to a certain extent like talking about any of these movies is gonna be like it just does everything well like i know mean, it's kind yeah. of like a boring analysis but like it's so confident and like well-timed and well-executed and everyone commits to it and man oh man I got like two or three little things that I really liked. Uh, so in the airport, there's some really cool shit going on there with like the facial recognition teasing and stuff where like Ethan's over here, then Ethan's over there. Uh, but but Grace and Ethan's like meet cute or whatever mm -hmm. is like one of the best in recent film. Like where he just, you know, recognizes that she picked that dude's pocket and he's tracing the key and he just kind of like goes up to her and it's like, She's she's like the um, oh you must have me like mistaken for someone else and he's like I don't remember the line or whatever but there's there's just like immediately off the bat like I felt like there was such great back and forth between these two actors uh, I really bought all of their performance I really think Haley Atwell is like just a just amazing really uh, you know action star like dramatic all that kind of stuff funny. Yeah, I was wondering how many of her own stunts she did because it really looked like she was up there kicking ass at times on the train or in the car and all that kind of shit. I think there's a certain spirit or energy or something. We, we might have like hinted at earlier, but I think when you're on set with Tom Cruise, not only you like show up early and get there on whatever, like you were saying before, yeah. with but I think there's something just like if he's doing it, like I'm gonna do it too. Like we we talked when we talked about Top Gun Maverick last year, like all those pilots were actually flying the planes and also filming themselves, and like there's a, only a certain way that you can do to like make the thing look real because you kind of have to do it for real mm -hmm. and i think a lot of these i mean not going to be like crazy crazy stunts and it's not like there was a halo jump here i mean the, the whole <laughs> like jumping the motorcycle off the cliff and then doing the the uh -huh. power power gliding whatever onto the train is like bananas but like i think a, i would guess a lot of these actors are probably doing a lot of their stunts because tom is doing them you know what i mean yeah. it's like yeah and i know that he's you know, and I say this endearingly, insane for what he does in turn in those kind of ways. But like, I think there's a certain spirit that just like, I'm not gonna let somebody like he he's doing like well, I'm gonna do it too. And like their agents probably like, hold on, like are you are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> but I think I think I would guess that most of what you see, if it's practical, is probably the actors. Yeah, most within the confines of what they're allowed to do, I'd say at this point. Tom Cruise is allowed to do way more. He's a producer. Uh, he's insured up the wazoo. I, I bet all that. He's probably part of. He probably owns part of the fucking planet at this point so he can do whatever he wants anywhere he wants i mean it's important to remember just as a, a quick interjection the first two credits in this movie are a tom cruise production and then the second title is tom cruise like it, there's no <laughs> doubt like who's this is who this belongs to who gets the credit who gets the blame no real blame to give here you know what i mean it's just like right, right. this is his baby and like it extends to you know, Paramount or all like he saved he'd saved movies, right? Mm -hmm. Like he like Top Gun Maverick saved at least movie theaters, right? Like yeah, there was a thing yeah. they were so desperate and then Maverick was like here we go. Well that that makes it even better to think about like the kind of NSA boardroom with Rob Delaney and, and everybody else to be like Tom Cruise had this idea where 
a lot of people have done this. You know, this is a very big Soderbergh thing. I think he did it with the informant, right? Where it's like, I'm going to cast a bunch of comedians mm-hmm, mm-hmm, to play mm-hmm. a bunch of serious people, you know, and like, let's get some really great ones. And he's probably like that Rob Delaney, like, you know, <laughs> all this a, another the- crossover and that he's in Hobbs and Shaw. You know what I mean? There's all, there's so that's much. Right, that's right. That's right. Uh, Carrie Ells, it was good to see him and all that. But it's, okay. So I didn't realize that the, you know, like the coup de gras, like the main deal, like the big stunt where he does the motorbike off the cliff and with the backpack and the uh, parachute and everything. So I didn't know that that was going to be in the story that he was going to do that onto a train. Like that made everything so much more fun. You know, I thought he just needed to do like, by the way, they were showing all the behind the scenes stuff of like, you know, because I watched them, you know, I had I watched them like practice the stunt and this and that and all this stuff but like they never exposed where in the story or how or why he's doing it so i was like oh he probably just gets to a point in the movie where he has to fucking get away from some people and jump off a cliff <laughs> like it just never kind of i never put the pieces together about the whole train thing because i didn't know about any train sequence or anything like that and what else i loved about that was how they got like a, a guy went down with him once or twice and he delivers a line like he's acting you know you see like the, the fucking wind in his face and he's mm-hmm, saying mm-hmm. a line he's like i see the train or something um and i would that was very surprising too like not only did he do the stump but like he's like no let's like get like a shot of a close-up of me so they really know it's me and not only that like i'm gonna act in the shot too i think you know what two things about that number one re-watching older movies older mission like the last few mission Impossible movies like when he has longer hair there are scenes like in the same thing with henry cavill in fallout like where they don't look good like they have like their the wind is blowing their hair and they look like mm-hmm. really goofy and like they don't look like movie stars they don't even look handsome and just like no but like you know it's them right i also like on a similar note want to say tom cruise looked really good in this like he looked better than he mm-hmm. has like kind of in a while where like some of the movies are like oh he's finally starting to age a little bit but here it's just like he looks and maybe it's the haircut maybe it's i don't know what it no, is I, I know what it is it's it's that whale gris from avatar planet it's mm. that, <laughs> that stuff prolongs our life just got to get to uh pandora and get the whale gris but like every like i mean again it's a movie filled with beautiful people doing amazing stunt work on their own and he's leading the charge and like he just everything is good the other really good news good note is that unlike Fast 10 colon part two or whatever it winds up being officially called where it has like a maybe release date of 2025 maybe if the writer strike doesn't whatever Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning part two June 28th of next year we're less than a year away from the sequel not hopefully the final end to the saga but to the end of this story yeah. and you know we'll see where they go from there but like I love that we don't have to wait in a you know an insane amount of time let this one run out in theaters like I'll see it another time or two with movie pass like I'll go enjoy it there let me watch it again on blu-ray when it comes out rewatch four through seven before eight comes out and then like all that's going to be in the next like 50 weeks because then that comes out next June and we're talking we're back here talking that's like it's crazy. just exciting it's exciting you know what's so crazy about that like it's gonna be the only thing next summer like the writer's strike like the movies they're True. making now like you know unfortunately you see these leaked set pics of like deadpool and stuff it's like they everyone's like oh it'll be better without a writer it's like no that's not how it works it's like they can't change the script like they can't improvise they can't do anything considered writing on set so like they're locked into whatever 
Transformers 2 piece of shit kind of script they go into production with. And it's going to be a bunch of like, hopefully not, but I'm not expecting a lot of quality next summer. Uh, my fingers are crossed, though. Hope so. I hope there is. So we have Tom Cruise saving the movies last year, keeping the box office afloat this year, and then single-handedly making sure that people go to have something to see next summer. Three <laughs> years much. in a row, he's going to save movies. Pretty much. That's why. I mean, like, this is also, like, in the midst of, like, a, a really crazy good run of, like, both really good oh, movies yeah. and also big blockbusters. Like, from Fast 10 to Spider-Verse to this to Oppenheimer to Barbie. Like, there's all these movies, like, even things that, like... You know, like Little Mermaid, like wasn't like critically loved, but like still made a lot of money. A lot of people go like, this is like a really good, I think, summer for movies, and also like not just big yeah. spectacle stuff, but like a lot of those movies are like really, really good. And so to have this one be like, you know, I I only wish for both this movie's sake and that movie's sake that like this and Oppenheimer had a little bit more like space in between because I think the audiences are like very kind of similar ish. Yeah, and I wish I this had a little that. bit more room to breathe, but like. Man, like it's it's we're we're I think we're very lucky to have so many good, big, amazing, not just like spectacle for spectacle for like let's spend three hundred million dollars Indiana Jones again, like to just make a big movie that like looks cool, but like that actually like tells a story and is good. Like Indiana Jones is really really good too. I guess it's not Mission Impossible, but like it's really good. So I think we're just like this is a very good summer, and I hope that yeah. whatever happens with the strike. And, you know, whatever we sort of, like, make do with the next year or two, like, is fine. But, like, let's all mm. enjoy and revel in, like, how good this summer of movies is. Yeah, And not just this summer, but this year yeah. so far, I feel, has been crazy. And not just, like, good, but, like, great. And not just great, but, like, a lot of, like, auteur stuff has come out. Mm -hmm. Like, this feels like a Tom Cruise auteur picture even though he didn't direct it you know what i'm saying but like he's the ai behind this well but McCoy like, is his guy like they're basically yeah, 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 yeah. like they're they're moving in lockstep but but like something on the completely other side of the spectrum that i'm so glad we have just in case it's a while before he makes another one is like bo is afraid right on mm -hmm. that side like the Ariaster stuff or Ariaster stuff that um like he made like a three hour one right yep. so like we could go back and like watch that a whole lot you know and i'm i'm gonna be good until the next one comes out for a while and it's sort of like this you know like i feel so so satisfied by all the movies i've seen this year and that just is such a good feeling because i haven't really felt that way in a long time like yeah. in the past couple of years and not just not just like theater stuff but like stuff i'm watching at home over the that came out this year and and others so yeah, it you know as as Vin says, as Tom Cruise says, um, as his ex-wife says, you know the movies, right? Like <laughs> it is a year mm -hmm. for the movies. One thing that kind of annoyed me, so I, I you know I think we probably have talked about this here that like I don't I don't watch trailers if I can help it, and especially for movies that I know they're going to see. Like I don't need to see a trailer for Mission Impossible. I want to have everything like fresh for me. And so I never saw a trailer for this. I knew that he like. I think I knew that he rode a horse at one point, and which didn't matter because like that's not really a spoiler. And then I knew that he like rode a motorcycle off a cliff, so I knew that was coming. Even though like when the sequence starts, you're like, okay, I can kind of see where this is gonna go. But, like I kind of wish I didn't know that. But what was really annoying to me, and I don't know if you, so we're recording this on Wednesday when it officially widely comes out. Last night was the preview, like the normal Thursday night to Friday. I saw it on Monday, which is like the early fan event. And then on Sunday, there was like the Walmart fan event or whatever. Like just crazy nonsense, right? And I don't know if you got this. I don't know if it was just because of the early fan thing or whatever. But there were two almost like making of featurettes about the movie before the movie. No, no. And I'm like, 
don't show this because they like they basically not spoiled the Rome sequence, but they were talking about like how Tom Cruise actually handcuffed to the steering wheel and about the Fiat and how they made the Fiat. And I'm like, I don't want to know this. And like there was like a whole thing, and then like I'm like, why would you do that? And like that goes to black, and then another one pops up. I'm like, what are oh, you no, doing? No. And then there was no. like the Macquarie. I don't know. You, pro- I, would, I would imagine you probably had the, the Macquarie Tom Cruise like, thanks for coming to the movies. And yeah, like, this. Yeah, don't spoil it. And they, that didn't. But I'm like. Stop doing this. We're here to see the movie. Don't show us scenes. Like, if you want, like, hey, stick around after for some, like, how they did it or whatever. Because I would have loved to see it after the movie. Yeah, that would have been that would have been cool. No, I did. Thankfully, I did not get that because I got, like, six fucking trailers. And they were all, like, two and a half minutes. The new score says he looks interesting. Uh, but And so does the Bob Marley movie. Um, but I did see the the Tom Cruise and and the Macquarie get the, the director they came up and they and it was like six thirty seconds maybe yeah. thanks for coming to the movies thanks a lot then I, I got this oh yeah I got no that's that's the wrong one I got Mike is reaching behind him in the room I got a pin and I got a poster did you Ooh, get yeah, this I got that poster yep mm-hmm. all right yeah and this pin the yes. IMF pin, yes, mm-hmm. yeah, which is the same IMF pin I got for Rogue Nation, which Ooh. I think I, gave, I think I might have given you one of those. I might have I that too somewhere. I took like five of them that time, but I, anyway, yeah, posters I are also. Bad. I don't know if you want, but I will also give to you if you want. Uh, I rebought the series on 4K because Best Buy had Steelbook 4Ks, and in each of them, hold on, I'm going to reach Ooh. now. You vamp for a second. Okay, Joey is reaching behind. His self at the moment. There are now. these like four or five inch big stickers. Oh, cool. It's like an I'm like it's enormous. Like you know, it's it's you know yeah, bigger palm than my size. palm. Yeah, bigger than your palm. Yeah. And there's one in each of them, and I bought all six. I might not write because I already had Fallout in 4K, but I'm like I kind of want the whatever you know. But I have like six stickers now. <laughs> I don't know what to do with a sticker. So if you want an Impossible Mission Force sticker, I can give you one of those. But like yeah, I dude. like that there's like. Hey, you're gonna to want to commemorate this. It's like, yeah, I'm going to want to. So, thank you for that, Mission Impossible, because this is all super cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts on Dead Reckoning Part One? I oh, my only man. thing is, I hope that all these people come back, and I hope they like don't overload with other people. Like, I hope they have like one or two, yeah. just like they added Haley Atwell and like Palm, and then brought Kittredge back in a way. Like, maybe do that because we lost Ilsa, so there's kind of like a vacancy there. But like add one or two don't go over don't overdo it but like do it the same way you did it and like but at the end of the day i just have faith in tom cruise and a tom cruise production that they're gonna do it you know what i mean i i wonder like you know unfortunately maybe i don't know jeremy renner i don't think he filmed anything before his accident right but like He's someone who could potentially make a new appearance. He's he hasn't been in in one recently, right? It's been like one. He or hasn't two been since five. Yeah, he was he was in four and five. I would like I wouldn't mind seeing him pop up. Like it would be cool, not necessarily to introduce anyone new, but to bring back from all the other ones whoever's left. Like I don't. We don't need Wes Bentley necessarily <laughs> to sh- to show up or anything like that. But like you know, I, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like if there's anybody we can mine from the past, I think bring that Paula would be Patton cool. back. Yeah, but I don't think it needs anybody kind of like showing up to kind of distinguish it from this one. You know, I don't think we need to introduce like a new, like, oh, this guy's even worse than that guy. Or like, you know, Ethan, meet your new partner. Or like, I don't need any more. I think the the board is set. The game is afoot. And uh, we just have to see how it plays out. I will say that I'm looking right now on Letterboxd and I don't know what roles they play, but there are three. Actually, hold on. Maybe I might be able to if we go back. Hold on. There are three actors' names I recognize that are going to be in Dead Reckoning Part 2. 
There is going to be playing a character named Sydney. I don't know who that's going to be. Is Nick Offerman from Wait. Parks and Rec and from many other things. Weird. Okay. Playing a character of Secretary of Defense Bernstein. So we have a sense of who he's going to be. Uh, Holt McElhaney from, oh God, what's the what's the Fincher series? Mindhunter. He's like the oh. older cop, the gruff cop in Mindhunter. Right. Um, he's also like in a bunch of different movies. And then also in this movie, in the role of doesn't have a character name, is Hannah Waddingham. So I don't know if you watch, do you watch uh, Ted Lasso? I don't have Apple, but I'm dying to watch that show. But, so the owner, the the blonde lady who now who inherited the team, and like that's like oh, part okay. of like, the thing. Okay, I've seen episode one, so I know. So her. yes, so she is also going to be in this movie. So like I think that's like the right level of like recognizable people, all really good actors. Yeah. Not like star stars that you're going to be like, yeah, oh my god, I can't believe. But yes, like I mean, that's what the Fast and Furious does. That's what I love. It's like, oh shit, they're back. Oh, they got this character. Oh, whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. this is just like, like let's get like. Again, not mean to be demeaning, the best character actors in the world to fill a very specific role and let Tom Cruise shine and like yep. done. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty well said. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It's like, yeah, it is <laughs> a lot of great character actors. And then you got Tom Cruise and Ving Rames. You know, Ving Rames was great in this. I don't think we mentioned him once, but like what a solid just he's just like the primer for this entire series. I feel like Luther is just like Ah oh, man, I love him on the team. I love that. He's, I don't know. It's just like him and Benji's banter about who's the better hacker was a lot of fun. Yep. I hope, like, I could see the AI turning him, being like Ethan, don't mm. don't kill it, don't kill it, Ethan. It's too valuable. Like something like who knows? Like I remember I mentioned people might be switching sides in the next one. That would be a, that would be a fun way to go. Wow. Okay. Well, let's keep who an knows? eye out. So we have three upcoming Tom Cruise movies next year. Like we talked about Dead Reckoning Part 2. There's the movie he's shooting with SpaceX, maybe in space. And there's the wow. rumor of Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat. I mean, again, if, if any of these movies crossed. actually come out other than, you know, it's the best movie of the year. You know what I mean? So. Yep. Go to cageclub.me slash shows for all the shows that we're doing. We put out new episodes almost every day. Mike and I have a handful of shows that we do together, a handful of shows that we do separately. Other people have other shows in the network, but thank you all for listening. I hope that you all love this movie as much as we did. I know that everybody sort of seemed to echo our sentiment last year that Top Gun Maverick absolutely ruled. I think people love this one, too. It seems like it's got a crazy good yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. All my friends on Letterboxd seem to love it. So, boy, I just hope that a lot of people go see it and cherish yeah. it because... I just want them to keep making these movies. Yeah, that's the other thing, too, is like I, I will tell people to go see this in theaters if they can afford it, if they can, if they can get the time. I know it's, you know people are busy and all that, but like it's the one thing I because I want not that they're not going to make the next one. We know that the next one's coming out, but it's just like I want the I just want it to be known that like people will show up. You know, if you put mm -hmm. in the work and stuff, and it's like this is one really worth showing up in theaters for, and and letting them know like yeah this one was worth it that kind of thing so like i don't know i think that that gesture could go a long way in the future and getting you know higher caliber films like this more often so yeah for sure i agree wholeheartedly with everything you just said but thank you all for listening thank you if you're subscribing to, K uh, to cruise club not cage club i mean also subscribe to cage club but whatever but thank you for yeah. subscribing to cruise club for finding us wherever you found us for listening as long as you did and again, cageclub.me slash shows for all of our different programs and new episodes almost every day. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we will see you next time right here on Cruise Club, if you choose to accept it.